Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, it amazes me, but it shouldn't, that right across the body of Christ right now, in different churches, different places, there's an incredible hunger to come back to the basics of what it means to walk with Jesus. As I've said many times, better than church attendance is living a life of Christ resemblance. And I've said it many times, and I believe that walking with Jesus personally equips us to build the church corporately. But to do that, there needs to be something that sometimes we're afraid of, but it's an actual gift. And that is the power of evaluation. You know, um, to become self-aware and to evaluate something that we never need, excuse me, to stop doing. Apologise. We should never stop evaluating where we're at, not because we're doing so much something wrong, but because God wants us to grow. And as we grow, we get to show who He really is to a world that's hungry for the real. And right now, people are checking out. People are checking out of church. They're checking out of life. Many saying, I don't know anymore. Life is so confusing. And the amazing thing for me As so many are evacuating, if it were, leaving the church, I'm seeing an army of new people come to Christ. Right across the world right now, there's an army of people who are evaluating their lives, not evacuating out of their lives and finding that Jesus is making sense and that Jesus really is the answer. There's such a move amongst teenagers and, and young people and even children. I mean, I know I'm going to have a little moment of boast here, but last week, I, Sharon and I heard our granddaughter, who's just turned 12, or she's 12, share publicly on what Jesus means to her and how when she wakes up with pressure or she goes to the Word and she starts quoting the Scriptures. that God, oh, I mean, I was one proud granddad right there. And I think I saw in her a new army of kids that are not confused about their identity, not confused about who they are, because they found whose they are in Christ and can walk with Him with a sense of confidence that's not self-confidence. She was quite nervous before speaking. I got to stand next to her as she spoke. But there was something deeper than the natural fear. There was an absolute belief that God was with her. I've mentioned this a few times probably here as well, that I fly a lot and often, most of the time, sit in the exit row just to get a little bit extra room. And of course, you get that speech in case of, you know, an emergency and you hear the word evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. I can tell you the whole thing, but, you know, you've got to push the lever down and watch out that there's no fire and smoke outside the window. And, and I've said it before and I say it again today. There's a lot of shaking going on in the earth and a lot of people are hearing the sense, I need to check out. I need to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. But it's not evacuate, it's evaluate. Because the storms that come on a flight are probably not going to crash the plane. I don't like turbulence. I hate it. And I grip the seat really tight, even though I've been flying for nearly 40 years, but it's still uh, turbulence affects me. But there isn't that thought, gee, we're going to crash now because this thing's bumpy. Sometimes people evacuate relationships. They evacuate all kinds of situations because it's bumpy. 
but the plane will land. We will get to the ground. And so I believe right now God is calling His church to do a healthy evaluation so that people can walk through our doors and not see perfection, but see a people that are honest with themselves, honest with God and broken but open about our journey. In the Bible, when God wanted to address His church, He never held back. And in the book of Revelation, there are seven churches. And Christ speaks to those churches through John and speaks to them and each church had issues they need to to address. The thing I love about how Jesus writes letters, it's never, hey, you, you idiot, what are you doing wrong? When Jesus writes a letter in the book of Revelation, He goes, hey, you know, guys, this is what you do good. Always starts with a positive. This is what you're doing good. This is what you're good at. Seven churches, seven different issues. But let me tell you the things you need to adjust. And I love that about God. I often say seven churches, they weren't churches like this. They were all the Christians in those cities. So if Jesus was to write a letter to Adelaide today, who would He write it to? The Salvation Army? The Catholics? The Baptists? Who would He write it to? He'd write it to every believer in the city. That's why He's only building one church. And so He writes and to one of those churches is the church of Laodicea. And in Revelation chapter 3, it says, And to the angel of the church of the, of the Laodiceans, I write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now that sounds really, really nasty. And I've heard this preached many different ways, but I researched it a few years ago and we used to preach like God would rather you hot or cold as if cold is away from Him and hot is close to Him, but not lukewarm. But actually that's wrong, totally wrong because both hot and both cold were good. In this sense that the water supply that came into Laodicea would come in from nine kilometres out of the city in underground water ducts. And by the time the water got into Laodicea, into the city, if you drank it while it was cold, it was refreshing. If you drank it while it was hot, it was warm and helpful. But if it was lukewarm, it would be so delayed and full of salt and you would feel sick and you would vomit. And so what the Lord is saying to the church is, listen, I'd rather you be refreshing, cold and refreshing, and, or I'd rather be warm. But lukewarm, you're not neither one or the other. I think the days of being embarrassed of telling people we are Christians are coming to an end. We're going to have to be clearly identified that we're cold and hot for the values and the beliefs that we carry. And the church has been shut up for too long because we're afraid of a culture out there that's dictating the narrative. And I'm not saying this out of arrogance. I'm not saying it out of uh, a revenge, but the church out of love, because that's our weapon. We need to rise up and make sense of the truth that we believe in and people are gonna find it attractive and people are gonna come to Christ. We're gonna see one of the greatest harvests we've ever seen. Behold, later on in the verse, 
in the, this passage of Scripture. It says, I stand at the door and knock. I wanna come in and have dinner with you. I wanna come in and eat with you. Again, I've said this before, but I wanna say it again. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, which I didn't quote before, not hear my knock. There's a lot of stuff knocking around the edges of the church right now. The key is not listening to the knock. The Bible predicts that in the last days there'll be false prophets everywhere. He's over here, he's over there, he's here. Oh, have you seen the power that guy moves in? Have you seen that? We don't even know who those people are. And we go running all over the place because we've stopped hearing the voice and we're listening to knocks. But we've got to come back to hear the voice of the one who's knocking on our door. And the thing with this is that God, and this is so simple, but God doesn't wanna just sort us out. He wants a friendship with us. God wants a friendship with us. I'm knocking on the door and I wanna come into the church and I wanna do life with you. And I believe doing life with God is the greatest gift anybody could have. That the God of the universe can direct our lives with clarity, can take us on a journey of being glad to get up in the morning, to take us on a journey for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. He is still our husband and we're his bride. And I just thank God today that that kind of reality is possible. We can all have it. And it doesn't matter how long we've been on the road. One of the things that has happened to me through severe loss, through even the loss of a ministry, you're part of birthing a church or you're you're birthing a church that for 20 years, Sharon and I are the mum and dad of, and then the day comes when God says, hand it over. Now, if it's just a change of career, it doesn't matter. But when it's something that was birthed in you that you've loved and given you, how do you stop loving it? How do you walk away from that? And, and, And to walk away because God said to, not because I was going to a better career, but because it was a new season of what God was calling us to that we weren't even aware of. And I had to do something that has so helped me later through loss in the family And that is I had to become a self-counsellor. God wants us all to become self-counsellors and I'm gonna show you how I do it and how I've done it practically to help people. And so if I was to give a heading to this message today, it's called relationship indicators. How do I self-counsel and how do I self-become aware of where my relationship is at with God. We've been talking about prayer a lot and people all over the state are are praying and talking about this. Last week I was at my son's mission. He got up and preached on prayer. And I think when God repeats Himself, He doesn't have a speech impediment. He's actually trying to say something. And He wants to so personally connect with us that in summer, winter, spring, autumn, whatever happens, That connection is real. So a few years ago, I sat at home and I wrote down what it looks like when I'm walking with Jesus in a healthy way and I'm a bit cold towards Him or lukewarm is probably the better word. And how do I self-counsel? How do I know where I'm at? 
So this morning, I just want to give you some indicators that are indicators that I've used honestly and truly. I'm not trying to be self-serving, but this is what I've had to look at in my life. But I think we all live at the same address pretty much. Here are some of the indicators of when we're not tracking that well in our walk with God. Now, there's a few of them. I'll just run through them. We become selfish. Life becomes about how it affects me. And it becomes very self-serving. And I know when I'm not praying that well, I know how my mind goes to places that when I'm praying, it doesn't go. Those places, well, well I, you know, I've done this for years. Why do they still want that from me? Or, you know, I've paid my dues. And so there are times in my life where I see myself becoming self-serving. And what happens then is I become soft on my flaws but very judgmental on the flaws of others. And so I find looking for it, but yeah, but that happened because of this. And oh, because of that, I feel like that. And I deserve to feel like that. But someone else does something wrong, like just cut you off in the traffic. You know, the worst person on the planet, you want to kill them. <laughs> we sow negativity rather than talk faith and hope when we're struggling. Now, again, I've touched on this a few times, but I felt to touch on it again, and that is, the power of our tongue. In James chapter 3, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want it to, uh, wherever we want, by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And it goes on and talks about the tongue. Now, I just want to do a little side comment. Just be very, very careful who you listen to. Because there are so many self-appointed leaders just in our city who will not tell you who's covering they under. Don't ever listen to someone who doesn't have someone that can say no to them. I have no right for you to ask for me to ask you to follow what I teach, unless I'm submitted to someone that can say, no, Danny, that's wrong. And today there are false teachers rising up everywhere. And the reason why it's dangerous is because they all have some truth. It's not all lies. But if there's no protection, there's no covering, there's no biblical balance and it's an extreme teaching. And it doesn't, the Bible interprets the Bible. And we need a balanced diet. You cannot survive on ice cream for breakfast, lunchtime and dinner. Eventually it's going to make you sick. And some people are all into, you should never be sick. Things should never go wrong. There should never be death. The only thing that takes you is the rapture. I hear it all the time and I'm going, how cruel and how cold. How do you tell Peter who's delivered from prison and in the same week, James loses his head? We've got to interpret Scripture with Scripture. How do you tell Paul, the Apostle Paul, who asked to be healed of his sickness? And if you look at his story carefully, he did have eye conditions because he, he says he wrote with such big writing. I, I really relate to that because he couldn't see properly. And then he says to the Galatians, I'm glad you didn't reject me when I brought you the good news and I was sick. Let's interpret the Bible within the Bible. And so what happens is we take selected verses 
and be, make doctrines and with our tongue, we can destroy people's lives. Our tongue is there to delight God in our worship, but it's all there to direct, but it can also destroy. And I believe we're living in very interesting days and we need to self-evaluate, self-lead and know how to be in friendship with Jesus. In a moment, I'll practically show you how I do that. We become selective in our commitment to the cause of Christ. We stick to disappointment. We don't forgive easily and we find it hard to let go of past hurts. I've done teaching in the past on hurt people, hurt people. But the good news about the Gospel is that hurt people can heal people. Because we can come out of our hurts and find healing in that hurt and heal people. What a free place that is. We become sarcastic about vision and even question other people's motives. We separate from friendships and church and we stop our devotional walk with Jesus. Now, I haven't done all those things, but I've done a lot of those things when I feel cold towards being obedient to God. But the good news is if we connect with Jesus in an authentic way, we become selfless and we become others oriented. We become strong on our own self-sin, but soft on judging others. We speak encouragement. We give positive affirmation to all that God is doing. We are sold out to the cause of Christ with a yes posture. We separate ourselves from hurt and disappointment and still stand in our faith. And this is an interesting one. We stand with all God's people. What I find in churches, when people get hurt, they go and find other hurt people in the church and they create these little get-togethers. And what they do is they share each other's hurts. Oh, they did that to you too? That's exactly what they did to me. And then they say they're loving, but they're not really. Or oh, I've heard it for years. The, the good thing about when you're walking with Jesus is that you stay in generic fellowship with the body of Christ. Those that may not be going through a good time, those that are strong, going better than you, or what, but you're in that generic connection because this is family. And you don't isolate because the enemy's work when we get hurt is to isolate us. It's one of his greatest weapons. So we speak encouragement. We're sold out to the cause of Christ. We stand with God's people. We are spiritual in response in conflict situations. Now, please understand, I'm sharing my heart with you, but 99% of my work is dealing with conflict in churches. I've got four at the moment. And maybe I'm a bit silly, I don't know. But why can't we just say, what would Jesus do here? People fighting for their rights, people fighting for their titles. And I sit there and I go, Lord, we're supposed to be Christians. And I think God is bringing us back to what it really means to do what Jesus would do. Yeah. Now, please understand, it's not perfection and we are going to stuff up and we're going to have our humanity show up. But when our humanity shows up, we need the Holy Spirit to tell it to shut up. And we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and go, don't go there, go here. And so, you know... Um, and we strengthen our devotional life. So the older I get, the more I recognise my continual need to evaluate. But what helps me stay healthy is prayer. And what I wanna do for a couple of minutes 
is just show you something that's become very real to me. And it's not, it's not a ritual, but it is a help. And that is an understanding of the Lord's Prayer. And if we go to the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to read a few verses before that in the NLT. But because most of us, even if you're not a Christian, when you hear the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy Name. So I'm going to read it in the King James. And just for a couple of minutes, to show you something that's become very real to me, especially in the last six months. I have my little prayer chair. I get up in the morning. I try not to make any noise, but I'm sure I wake up Sharon because I trip over chairs. I trip over things. And by the time I get to my little quiet spot in the back room, the whole house has been woken up. <laughs> but the light's still off. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, don't make any noise, no, that's not there, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you when you pray. Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. And then in the King James, it says, pray like this. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, we hear it at funerals, we hear it at weddings, wherever. This is repeated a lot. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm mentoring a few young guys at the moment and one of them came to my house last week and he said, teach me how to pray. So we went through what I'm about to go through with you. And... Uh, after I shared it with him, I asked him to pray in front of me from his heart and it was one of the most moving moments. I had no idea how much had sunk in just in sharing with him in the way that he prayed. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I need to get saved. <laughs> so, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What I do every morning when I pray, I start number one with worship. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It might be that you want to put some worship music on in the house, but create an atmosphere of worship. Now, I was talking to another young man a couple of days ago about this very thing. And he said, oh, I'm going to send you an article. And it's out of healthyplace.com. And it says this, anxiety and gratitude affect the brain. Both of these states are tied a tied activity in the brain, such as the production and function of neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and hormones like cortisol. Even when our anxiety is triggered by situational people, it's the neural activity that causes our reaction. Listen to this. The brain can't respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. It means one or the other. And God in His immense sovereign knowledge of everything says if you start with a gratitude attitude, 
it starts dealing with anxiety. How awesome is that? Our Father, which art in heaven. And most mornings I find myself wanting to quickly go and pray for things. And I have to really restrict myself and say, no, no, Jesus, I thank You. I thank You for the strength that You've given me today. You are awesome. You are an incredible God. I, I did it this morning. And you know, some of you are aware of a heavenly language. And I started to worship in, in a spiritual language and my language changed. I felt like I got a new language. It was a great experience for me, even this morning, because He never stops letting these things become real to us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy Name. But then it says, Thy kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was only a few months ago I said, Lord, how does that affect me? And He said, at that point, go to the Scriptures. Start with worship and then go to the Word and say, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I'm studying Ephesians at the moment in my prayer time. So I'm reading Ephesians. And then what I'm doing is as I'm reading, I'm going, oh God. Like just even Ephesians chapter 1 says to all the people who've already found God, found Christ, I'm bringing you these instructions. Sometimes we're giving instructions to people that haven't found God yet. But it starts with because you know God. That's the grace of God. It's not legalism and rules and law. Because you know me, now can I talk to you? Because you've already decided to follow me. And so pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I journal. I journal with expectation. I expect revelation. And then I write down my application. And I do that in the second stage of this prayer. And then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, by the time you've had heaven come down through revelation, you're not going to be praying for things that are not important. You're going to be praying spiritual prayers first. Lord, give, us, give me the spiritual needs, the, the spiritual power that I need to live this out. But then He loves us so much, we can bring our natural needs. You know, and Lord, we, we, we need a breakthrough with our bank. We need a breakthrough, uh, you know, with finances, house, whatever job. And God wants to hear that from us. But doing it in the right order keeps the priorities in the right order. And it has you praying with incredible purposes. And lead us not into temptation. Sorry, and, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the part I pray for relationships. Forgive us as we forgive others, is all about relationships. So that's probably a 10, 15 minute time where I just pray for the broken relationships in my world, the people that I need reconciled, family members that you're praying for. And I pray for that whole area of relationships. And then from there, it goes into lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I talk about my weaknesses. Temptation isn't just sexual. Temptation isn't just robbing a bank. In fact, I'll probably never get tempted to rob a bank because I've never done that before. I don't walk past the bank and go, oh, oh, I feel the urge. I feel the urge. I've got to rob a bank. (laughs) But there's other things. And for me, the urge to get angry, the urge to worry, the urge for a whole lot of other things. So lead us not into temptation, Lord and Father. Help me in the areas of my weakness. And because we share that, it doesn't make us weak people. It makes us meek people. It makes us strong people because we acknowledge, hey, we all stuff up. 
We all do good things. We all do bad things. Lead us not into temptation, God. Help me in the area of my weaknesses. For Thine is the Kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And I finish in worship again. Now, I don't do that religiously because the Bible also says pray without ceasing. So I find that I'm at, and this is not an arrogant statement, but I'm a stage of 40, 50 years of walking with Jesus. My ear is open all the time. God tapped me on the shoulder. The time I was driving down South Road and God says, that building is yours. And today, $18 million later, debt free, a new generation has a building because I heard the voice of God driving down South Road. God can speak anytime. He has access. And so my praying without ceasing is simply this, constant dependency and constant expectancy. I'm constantly expecting for God to direct me. That's why I used to say at Edge, I'm only one decision away from becoming a total idiot. One decision. Because in my strength, I see things different than how God sees them. So I'm daily dependent and I'm daily expectant. And you don't have to speak out loud to be having friendship with God. You know, um, sometimes when Sharon and I are driving in the car, we talk. Other times we don't talk at all. Relationship isn't all about talking all the time. And the older we get and the more comfortable we get with the people we're with, it's not about the amount of words, but it is a heart posture. And it is a connection with God where a song that I'm listening on the radio, a comment or something and I go, wow, this morning in the prayer meeting, some people, they need help. They need comfort. Other people need to give comfort. During this week, let's get that thought that never goes away. Ring so-and-so, ring so-and-so. You know, and that, that's relationship with God. So it's not, I'm not trying to put this prayer thing into a box, but I, my mind wanders and I can't sit still. And sitting in a prayer chair is a big deal for me. I'd rather get up and make a crumpet and um, make a cup of tea and then go and look at Instagram. So for me, I've had to discipline myself to flip and sit still and not say anything at that time of your kingdom come. As I've said many times, Sharon hasn't spoken to me for three years. She didn't want to interrupt me. <laughs> and um, sometimes I feel like the Lord's saying, just shut up. Just listen. Because part of prayer is listening. But I just hope that that Lord's Prayer can just give you a little bit of encouragement that if you get stuck, you can work around that. It's a biblical pattern, not a parrot fashion thing to do, but it's a pattern. So I'd like us to maybe stand right now. And as I walked into the prayer meeting this morning, they were singing, I can't believe how good the Lord is. And then they went into, I praise the Name of the Lord our God. I wanna say this very quickly. It's also different when we pray together corporately, that's like an army. And sometimes people go, well, I pray like this, I don't pray like that. And I don't wanna get religious about this, but there's something powerful when everybody's in unison and everybody prays with it. If an army goes to war and people go, I don't wanna march at that speed. I wanna step out of line. Praying privately is a very different approach to prayer than when we're together. And when we're together, whoever's leading, if they say, let's lift our voices, let's just do it. And let's just be one voice so nobody stands out 
And I hope this is okay. It's very practical. So there's a difference between corporate prayer and private prayer. But I want to tell you, relationship indicators. When my prayer life's good, my relationship with God is good. My prayer life's not good. I live with two Dannys. There's Italian Danny and there's the Hebrew Danny. No. <laughs> and when Italian Danny doesn't pray, Sharon doesn't say much. She can tell. People around you can tell where things aren't cooking with gas. And so this morning, in a world that's turning to fortune tellers, in a world that's turning to meditation, do you know we were made for this? We were made for prayer. We were made for relationship with God. And the world has an imitation of the real. And this morning we get to have the real. So as I hand over to Pastor Dan, we're going to sing, oh, how good the Lord is. And let's make it that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. We're going to declare the goodness of God in our lives this morning, in our journey with Him. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.